Hello and welcome to the uh, podcast, The Low Seaters. I'm joined by Stilius. Hello. And Harry. Sup. Um, <laughs> sorry, we're laughing, or at least I'm laughing because I, I realise... Callum's d- debating the conundrums of gay pornography and gay prostitution. Yes, I have an announcement to make, which is um, tomorrow... <laughs> Which I will be, that, I will be uh, coming out as gay. <laughs> for, for a small fee, you can enjoy an evening with Callum this uh, Christmas. No, um, we're, we're having a lads hour, which of course is like premonitioned on the idea that we just sit around and chat shit. We got Dankula in, so I thought we'd just do something where we just talk about whether or not he's gay. So we're, we're doing that. So <laughs> I mean, hasn't hasn't he explicitly admitted that he's sucked tranny cock? I don't know. We can ask him tomorrow live. Because if that's true, then yes. At 3 yes, p.m. Gay. UK time. Come and find out if um, Dankler is a gay man. You may be married to a woman, Dank, but you still gay. We have a we have a series of gay tests we're going to run. So, <laughs> yeah. Callum's going to whip it out, see what happens. <laughs> no, I'll do come and find out tomorrow at 3. Otherwise, um, I have some things to say about today, which is what we'll be discussing, which is uh, the first segment will be on why haven't the locals integrated? Why haven't we all become new Europeans? Uh, the Red Scare was real, and the destiny of polyamory, which I feel is going to be a lot of smugness, and I told you so. Should I? Uh, we shouldn't do Could be. Could be. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So I feel oblig- uh, obliged to go, boom, Oh, because of the, yeah. But we, I think, I think we'll, we, we can be reserved in being right. Yes, yes. I mean, w- when you're right, you're right. You don't have to just shout it. You don't have to do a segment about it. Yeah, but you, you are. Know. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like to. No, because I want you to say to something about it, but positive. You can I want to say something positive. You You'll can, see where I'll take you it. You can turn your nose up and affect a very snooty approach when covering this. So, yeah. no, no, that's not my segment. Is not going to be about how both of us were completely one hundred percent right. It's going to be extending. It's going to be about the next day. It's going to be about the next day. Yeah. Well, I suppose um, with that, we'll get into the news. You can call it that. <laughs> Which is, um, why haven't you integrated yet? And I'm not talking to foreigners, of course. I'm talking, talking to me. I'm talking to you. Oh, God. The, the locals, so the, the, the British or the French who live in France or the Germans who live in Germany. Really, the problem is you. You have not integrated into the new European way of life. And um, you might think that's a bit of an insane thing to demand, that you just become whoever's turned up. And, um, well, no, it turns out LBC... The biggest radio station in London, leading Britain's conversation, has come up to tell us, no, 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 you are the problem. And this is Sanjita over here, who is my, I don't know, maybe third favorite leftist at this point. She's gone up and She's a truly hateful woman. She's hilarious because she's either British or Indian, depending on what day of the week it is. And in most of her segments, it's her talking to people and saying that they're in the wrong for wanting immigration to be slightly lower. So she she takes issue with people who care about social cohesion in the UK. Yes. But apparently not with people who care about social cohesion in communities that are not UK. Yeah. Yes. And this is a weird interaction because um, I suppose we'll, we'll play it and enjoy it. But the, the underlying question is obviously, why haven't you integrated? Which is funny because, um, well, you'll see. So the first point is the destabilization. The second point is Brexit. So Sorry, did you say what, destabilization? Yeah, destabilization. What's been destabilized? Uh, places in the Middle East and right, North it. Africa, and, okay. but specifically Brexit, because we've had to swap EU immigration for non-EU immigration, and that's where the community cohesion uh, fails, and that's where the friction comes from, as we saw face. in Leicester in September 2022. And you have to blame David Cameron for that. No, you don't. Why hasn't there been another clash since? 
the Palestine protests. Why hasn't as there well, been another clash since in Leicester? I think it's a matter of time. Why hasn't there been? I can I tell should, you. Yeah. I can tell you why there hasn't been. Actually, okay. Jonathan, because we covered it on the show, because community leaders, uh, and that is that is community leaders from both Hindus, Muslims, Christians, including the police and the police force and local authorities, came together, and they made direct appeals to those communities. And ever since those clashes, there have been there has been active bridge building within those communities. That's why. If that isn't success, I really don't know what is. How many um, of your friends are from diverse backgrounds? A very simple question. One. Right. What background? Uh, mixed uh, Caribbean uh, English. Why do you only have one friend from a diverse? Background? Well, that's what I, that's what it was like. Up in, uh, <laughs> right. Chester at the time. It's, it's right, so hang on a minute. Shining on the five face. Years you know. ago, did you say? Yeah. So you're what? Hiding uh, how old are you? White friends. 23? 23. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what have you done in the intervening five years? Uh, university. Mm. And which university was that? In London. Which one? <laughs> Queen Mary. Right. Oh, when were you born? What have you I done? Pa- I think that's patronising to say that people... It's not patronising, I'm asking you a question. Not, not to me, not to me, but I could have done more... It's not patronising, I'm asking you a question, just answer it. They will ask the questions. Um, well, uh, that's just what unfolded in, you know, at university in my life. Yeah. And there is, my friend, the whole problem with social cohesion in this country, in the pockets of the country where it is not working, where integration is not working as well as it should be. It is people like you, it's people like you mm-hmm. and people from ethnic minority groups with the same attitude as you. You just sit back, you're complacent, you're given every opportunity on a plate and you still do absolutely nothing. You do not play your part in making sure that this country has social cohesion that is meaningful, that means we are knitted together as human beings and not just as identities. So the first... Your fault. So wait, so... Your fault that there's ethnic tensions. So because... Local man. Because somebody has been airdropped into my living room and I don't immediately offer to go to, to the pub with him, that's my fault. Yes. That's, okay. All right. Also, like that whole big smug thing where she said, "Well, actually, the warring communities on the streets of Leicester from last year—they've done—they've done a lot to progress yes. and make forward." Why did it happen in the first place? The India-Pakistan divide, I hear, has been fixed. Trust me, bro. Because community leaders came together, and there's real bridge building. Okay, why does that happen? To why does that have to happen in the streets of Leicester? Why does it have well, to happen in the first night. place? There's well, like, yeah. sorry, Israel, sorry, <laughs> India-Pakistan. <laughs> have not fixed their problems. They never will. As soon as there's another flare-up in that part of the world, just like Israel-Palestine, there'll be the flare-up in Leicester again. Everyone knows it. What is weird, though, is that she talks about meaningful social cohesion, not identity. But obviously this is nonsense. She she wants some groups to maintain their identity and some others to lose it. Also, that's I, the way, that's I, what she says. Can I just that's point what out... what she implies. It's very clear. No, Harry, that, I will that do that the caller. questions now. I will ask the question. Where did you go to university? Yeah. Who are your friends? What is the background of your own family? <laughs> <laughs> May I please have some DNA results from your ancestry tests? What percentage can you say is the N-word with? <laughs> it's just like, this is weird. Can on you imagine level. if you went, well, you know, I'm 70% English, I'm 13% Scottish. Oh, okay, so there was some cohesion there, wasn't there? Why can't you come together like the Brits and the Scottish? Like, I'm sorry. Oh, but the ultimate point being, what have you done, loser? And I just love, of course, Drudka. I, I can't do a segment about immigration without him at this point. But here's, here's my love. As you can see here, he's just like, what have you done to 
well, socially integrate the infinity migrants that have arrived. Why haven't you gone to McDonald's or gone wine tasting with Kareem here? Why would I? Why haven't you joined the <laughs> drill rap gang yet, Callum? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the flip side. That's how I took it, which is like, why haven't you become like the new Europeans? It's like, I don't want to shit in the street. That's just, I mean, genuinely, that's yeah. an actual problem that we're now getting in the UK because the I, same problem exists in India. I it's don't like, really feel like knifing anyone today. It's, it's difficult, I know. And uh, Harry, sorry, what did you say? You need, you need to work a bit. I need to work on that. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I'm sorry. If I'm not violently assaulting people on a different postcode as myself, uh, can I really say that I've tried to integrate? But talking uh, specifically to Leicester and then the, the Indian thing there, there's a reason I bring up defecation, and it's not because nobody knows. It's just, uh, it's worse than anyone thinks. Uh, Josh sent me this uh, just before we started, which I'll only briefly mention here, which is there's been a new study into the fact of um, open defecation in India is now being blamed for the fact that Indians are short by this study here and investigating whether or not that's what accounts for the difference in child Have height. we tried integrating? <laughs> Yes, so the funniest part of this, and I will have to save the rest of this for another time because it is utter gold, is uh, the author writes, if they, the Indians, were counterfactually exposed to sub-Saharan African levels of sanitation using a non-parametric rewriting method, India's projected increase in mean height is at least as large as the gap. The author is sincerely writing that if Indians lived with the same level of sanitation as sub-Saharan Africans, they would be taller. That's the effect, or at least the claimed effect, of how bad open defecation is in India. And I'm sorry, um, of all the things you can integrate with the foreign world, this is probably one of the worst things. And it's just when I hear someone say, well, what have you done to integrate with the new Europeans? It's just like, maybe I don't want to. Maybe I just don't. I mean, this is the most extreme difference, let's say. And then there's, I don't know, like the French, who eat frogs. Again, what if I just don't want to? I mean, it wasn't asked at any point. I was once in in uh, year six. I went to a chateau in France with primary school, and um, all they were serving was French food, which was literally snails and frogs or jacket potato. So I survived purely off jacket potatoes for an entire week because I refused to eat snails and frogs. Well, snails are actually quite good. No, kind of that. But... No, you're lying. But the point being, you shouldn't have to eat the snails or etc. Because, of course, you were never asked. This was just something that happened to Britain by force of the leading class. And now you're the problem. Uh, it, it's really annoying that, in a sense, people who want to be natives and remain native, they, they, they are being shunned and shamed. Because what she's doing, basically, she's shaming. Bollocks. You, you need to you need to clear. Ah, I'll be fine. That's, that's fine. So the water doesn't in infiltrate your keyboard and oh, destroy your machinery. Anyway, so, <laughs> oh, fair play. You have twenty-four seconds. Uh, anyway, so oh. no, what what is annoying is that she's shaming, and that that's what her questions What's are all about. Is How many friends do you have? You know. Yeah. What's annoying is how many right wingers uh, does does she befriend? And I saw that from the chat. What's annoying is that she's a self righteous ideologue who's only promoting these positions for her own self interest. She knows that she is not of a British background. So obviously, what's going to be beneficial to her is to push narratives where all of the British need to be more nice to her. Yeah, That's, That's why she has a job. Because, yeah. I mean, for people who don't know, LBC did used to have right-wing people on, such as... They had Farage. Katie Hopkins. And they just purged them all. Literally, she's employed to be a mouthpiece. Sanjita herself is not an interesting person. Never would be. Uh, because there's a vacancy for someone to shout into microphone in London about how great immigration is. That's why she has a job. It's, it's crystal clear. 
it's cut and dry in her case because she has no other real achievements. But this question of Leicester comes up a lot in the dialogue in the UK. And you can see here, BBC Politics, around about the same time, decided to have this person on, which is the Labour MP, to tell everyone that we've been working extremely hard to bring together those two communities, as Sanjita said. And uh, trust me, bro, is, uh, India, Pakistan are now the best of friends. We've okay. solved it. How? By coming together and talking. Yes, we had one of those, what is it, the interfaith They meetings. went on a play date to the local park together. Yeah, everyone had a photo op once a month. Yeah. And um, a tick, done. Trust me, bro. If we do it in public, in front of the cameras, that means that as soon as the cameras have gone, everyone's still getting along with each other, right? Yeah. It's just so transparent that obviously it doesn't work, and you can see it in the data still. No one lives next to each other in Leicester. As you can see here, you've got, um, well, I suppose I'll make it bigger, the integration question from Juice, which is the white British, where do they live? Well, they live in the West, and then uh, the Indian population, well, they live in the East. And uh, pure coincidence, but one in, I think it was six people in Leicester East is a modern-day slave. So there we are. What have you done to integrate with slavery? Yeah, you evil person wanting to if just enjoy life. If we have community leaders come together, we can solve this problem overnight. We just need to be building bridges with the modern slavers. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure the bridges need to go in both directions. Or, of these or is the Madagascar solution more effective? <laughs> well, that's the other aspect of this, because then the conversation became, as you can see from BBC Politics, uh, they had a conservative on, and his uh, complaint was, well, if we import a million people a year, uh, the real problem with that is that we can't integrate a million people a year. It's so damaging for the immigrant community. It's terrible, terrible. Every other issue apparently is not as important as whether or not these people can integrate. But there we are. I mean, it just it's a mad statement on the face of it. Damn, we can't integrate a million people a year. Yeah, no, that's you never would be able to with a population as small as the UK. There's, there's nowhere to put these people so that everyone has some kind of access to English culture and therefore can integrate. It's, it's not statistically possible. And integration has lots of uh, questions behind it, like what are the cultural continuities and discontinuities between members of the group that seeks to be integrated and uh, the host group? That's a, that's a big question that very few people are asking. But also just where are they going to live? Because, I mean, like these guys, if you move into Leicester East, how are you going to become English? Yeah. I mean, good luck. I mean, you, you, there, there are many places where I'm sure the, the English language isn't used. Many yeah. neighborhoods. Mm. And that's a, that's a big... There are parts of, of Swindon problems. where you can walk down the street and not hear a single word of English. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I think there was a study, just the worst example I can think of, was in Tower Hamlets, where they found, I think it was about 50% of Bangladeshi women just don't speak any English whatsoever. Because they didn't need to. Yeah. The husband's going to earn the money and they just raise kids. And as we found out through that recent case in the uh, nursing home, that works out so well when yeah. they get jobs. <laughs> That's, well, you end up dead. Anyway, so, I mean, here's something else I had to mention because, uh, again, Drodka, my, my queen, um, decided to come out and put out this thread, or I suppose video, where it's just conservatives telling dirty little lies. We're bringing down the numbers to sustainable levels. Net migration needs to come down radically from hundreds of thousands a year to just tens of thousands. Immigration benefits Britain, but it needs to be controlled. It needs to be fair. Britain does not need net migration in the hundreds of thousands every year. So work with us, not against us, and we'll better control immigration. Brexit must mean control of the number of people who come to Britain from Europe. What people want and what they will get is control of our own immigration system. But I am clear that our immigration system must change. Because our asylum system is fundamentally broken. 
and we have a responsibility to act. Our immigration system is broken <laughs> and we will fix it. Uncontrolled immigration creates unmanageable demands on our NHS and on our welfare state. We were too slow to recognize the scale of the problem. Yeah, just a little bit. But no, the problem is you, dear viewer. You are the issue. Why have you not? What have you not done? Why didn't you go wine tasting with every one of these, well, several million people over those years in which the Conservatives said that was too many at any point to actually be sustainable? But no, no, yeah, you're the one that's wrong. I thought I'd just uh, end this off with something because you may remember, the, I think it was the Danish government came up with that lovely graph where it's like, hey, not all immigrants are equal. Mm. Here's a graph of net contributors from Denmark when they pay taxes. What did we get out of it? Just in tax benefits. And uh, here's European migrants. They, they pay into the system. And of course, you've got Luxembourgers at the top. And then I think it was like Albanians at the bottom or something. If you count them as European. And um, then there was the non-European graph, which just never gave you any money. Well, I, I'm proud to tell you, boys, that um, the Dutch, they didn't just decide to release that data on crime. They've, someone has done uh, a piece of research on money. So this is the Amsterdam School of Economics here. They decided mm. to release this paper. And uh, they were looking at to the consequences of immigration on public finances. And um, I suppose if we go to page, I don't know if you can do it, John, but page 114, there's uh, probably the best graph demonstrating what I'd like to speak about. Um, oh, I hate this thing. Oh, no, that said 114. Yes. Oh, damn, I maybe I've written the wrong number then. But there's uh, a graph in here in which they're showing just the net contributions over time and what you would end up find out, finding as the result of having so many people. And what the Dutch discovered is that um, they've lost 400 billion euros in the last 20 years. They've lost lost 400 billion euros? Yes. Is it the one on page 116, perhaps? Right, maybe. If you were... There we go. Oh, oh that's okay. what I'm looking at. Total net contributions cumulative over time, so to the current year from 1995, minus 400 billion euros. Jesus Christ. Let's just say, okay. Okay, maybe the people we're taking weren't Luxembourgish bankers. Maybe that was a bit of a mistake if you wanted money. But I didn't realize how bad that was until I also saw Drudka decided to just tweet out a funny meme, which is a conclusion from this study. Given the report's findings, it can be argued that the entire national revenue of the Netherlands from fracking and natural grass extraction has, has spent for approximately 60 years of, of that extraction. It entirely went to feeding, housing, educating, and providing medical treatment for migrants and their children over the last 20 their entire gas industry. Yeah. Worthless. <clears throat> Fa fantastic. And that's fantastic for anybody who uses, trots out the old argument of, well, we need them. We need them for economic growth. We need them for economic stability. And that's the lie. We already knew that that was a lie, but this just goes to show what scale that lie was on. I mean, the money that's actually stolen from us, I, I really feel is actually hard to comprehend. So it is good to see when someone has sat down and done the numbers, 400 billion euros over 10, 20 years. That's a lot of money. Think about what we could have done with that money. Think of all the swimming pools you could have built with that money. Well, maybe not the Dutch, but you know, someone else who likes the sea. I mean, ice pools. Yeah, yeah. But you can see also, um, I, there were some good memes that came out of this because the Danish, after doing the same stuff, have come up with the net zero immigration target, which is pretty cool. I did love Drotka's interpretation of this, you know, local Danish girl being like, what do you mean you don't have net zero in your country? What are you, barbaric? Are you poor? It's yes, <laughs> yes, Britain is. <laughs> Indeed we are. 
Because there's this meme in, uh, I forget which side of politics, but there's this meme of um, getting to Denmark, which is this this joke amongst, um, what do you call them, social something, social democrats, where it's like, yeah, Denmark is, is the goal for social well-being and et cetera because of all the policy points. And it's like, yes. And there's, there's something you have to do to keep that level of social welfare sustainable. And it's um, what little, um, I don't know, what's a Danish girl's name? Um, Sophie, there we are. That's the Freya? Point. Yeah, Freya over there is uh, telling us, which, um, yeah, she would be embarrassed if you don't have net zero immigration, so don't disappoint her. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to end off on the fact that this isn't hard either, because you may have seen the news. Um, that Malay guy? Yep. Well, he kept his word. Here's a, here's a graph. It's, it's in Taco, but they've written here which departments he did afuera and which he did not. And of course... Well, he got rid of most of them. Education, the women department, that's gone. Thank God. What are women going to do? <laughs> so they have an ambience department. You see that? Ambiente, but maybe that's recycling. Ambi- no, it's, it's the ambience department <laughs> yeah. for restaurants. <laughs> you know when you go into the woods and you hear birds chirping? Those aren't real birds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we set them up. The cultural department, yeah, get lost. Technology department, afuera. I mean, it's great to see, but it's so irritating that as you can see Cell riding here, in less than 24 hours, this dude just did it. Yeah. He just came in and went, yeah, no, we don't need any. I, I think it's been signed in so that over the next 21 days, they need to start dismantling these offices. So I'll be interested to see if there are legal challenges brought up against it. And if you have mass demonstrations from the presumably oh, yes. ex-employees of these departments, or if there's parts of, or if Argentina has a deep state that will try and protect its own. Oh, I no. hope that this all works. Spontaneous riots in the streets from people who totally have jobs and aren't just paid leftists. That totally won't happen, which, yeah, you're right. That may happen. I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't, and I'm hoping that all of these departments do get the chop as they are going, but that's, uh, I'm glad that he's actually signed into it at least. Yeah, and he's not the only one either. Um, I'll just skip ahead real quick to Russia, who um, also has similar circumstances in which they're just like, bye-bye, to anyone they don't like. So these are some migrant children. I think they're from Uzbekistan. And they went up to an eternal flame, which is one of the various flames in basically every Russian town and city that is for those who died during the Second World War. And as you can see, they're like throwing ice and snow on the flame to put it out. So deport. And they did, because why wouldn't you? Like, for instance, (laughs) if we had foreigners come into our country telling us we need to tear down statues of people who did great public works in the 19th century. Or, I don't know, trying to destroy the Churchill statue or the Zenitaph or setting fire to the flag on the Zenitaph. You remember that kid from the BLM riots? Nah. See, double standards. Some people have to integrate, the others don't. No, they certainly No, we have to integrate. There we are. Um, what have you done to integrate? Well, I um, don't care, really. My homeland, my rules. Suppose on that, we'll, uh, we'll move on and... Enjoy a red scare. Yes. I thought this one would be fun because I'm a big fan of the Twitter account Mystery Grove Publishing, who has tweeted many a banger over the years. And every so often, I think they, he's a publishing house. And earlier on this year, they decided they were going to call it quits because there's a few people. I don't know who exactly runs the account. But earlier on this year, they were like, right, we're done. We're done for good. Goodbye, everybody. I'm going to work my job now. The publishing house, you didn't buy. Um, for many with honor or whatever the name of the book was therefore therefore we have to die now but then every so often he pops back up again and reminds everyone I do have a substack though I do have a substack though and posts threatening images of cats holding guns saying you best subscribe you best subscribe right now 
and it's very fun. <clears throat> it's quite funny, but there is actually really useful. And um, it, is this your favorite mentally ill man, or uh, one of many? Okay, uh, but he's up there, uh, and it's very entertaining. But there's a lot of genuinely interesting and detailed information that he posts on there, and that he also posts on his Twitter account whenever he does return. So it's always good to keep an eye out for him. Uh, it's also a good uh, idea to keep an eye out for the website, which always has great videos like this Brokenomics, where Callum and I appeared with Stelios, and we talked about the economy, and I told him GDP isn't real, it can't hurt you, and Callum said, but is the economy actually even real, though? Which was genuinely quite an interesting argument to take. So if you'd like to get more of that, Subscribe to the website. It's a nice thumbnail. It is a nice thumbnail. Look at us all uh, having a good laugh with that burger. And Dan hovers and, over and, us. And Dan hovering over us. We've got yeah. McDonald's at home. Hey, this McDonald's at home is actually pretty good. Thanks, Dan. Uh, <laughs> so, so subscribe to the website for that. So yeah, um, I thought I'd highlight some of this because in the immediate post-war period, um, in the interwar period between the First and Second World Wars, um, that we have the Red Scare, which a lot of people have been taught by the um, historians and their teachers at school who definitely have your best interests in mind. So the Red Scare was just some kooky right-wing conspiracy theory when they just want you to believe that a load of Italian communists started coming over to America and trying to bomb and kill people. Isn't that silly? Communists would never commit terrorist acts. When has that ever happened? But it's actually true. It's very true. It's a lot of Italian... Eastern European communists getting kicked out of their countries, coming over to America, and then trying to murder people. Well, most people I imagine think of just, oh, that MacArthur guy that went a bit mental and thought everyone was a commie. But it's Even way though you can that. get in, like hundreds of pages of documents of people who were working in the state departments and the sure. American government who were communists. But I kind yeah. of find the phrase funny because the Red Scare is really just a reaction to Red Terror in Russia, which starts immediately at the start of the Russian Civil War. Like everyone around the world was like, oh, God. But for what are they doing? But for decades, there were many, many who wanted to deny it. Mm. And you had, you know, a lot of French intellectuals, also Durante, people like Sartre and people like Holland that who were saying that, you know, all this is Western propaganda. It, it's, it doesn't work. Ignore the bombing happening on the street outside of your home right now or on Wall Street it's or anywhere fault. else. What did you do that's for propaganda. that bomb not that, to go off? That's, yeah, that's Western okay? propaganda. Sanjita needs yeah. to ask me, why haven't you tried to integrate with the insane communists who want to kill you? That's a good question. Thank you for asking. But he's been posting some of this really interesting information um, and a lot of the sources for it where he's been talking about, did you know that in 1919, radical leftists fired into a Veterans Day parade in Washington, killing four people and wounding four others? They were convicted of murder, but then let out of prison a few years later after they made bogus self-defense claims because they claimed, and he goes into detail on the uh, Substack article that he's linked to here, which is paid, but I've got a few excerpts from it that will go through talking about some of the context and what was going on at that time. Well, they claimed that, well, the Veterans Day, they might come and cause a riot at our headquarters because it was the IWW, which I think was the International Workers of the World Organization, obvious commie internationalist globalist organization, saying, oh, they might come and beat us up. So we need to go out and murder all of them. So we're going to commit a terrorist attack when they have a big parade. So, and that apparently is enough to get you out of prison in the early 20th century in America because a lot of the subversion of the court systems in America has actually been going on for a very long time. And he points out as well, the American Legion put up a bronze memorial to the victims, most of whom were veterans shortly after the event occurred. In 1997, after the city council was taken over by leftists, they painted up a giant mural across the street honoring one of the murderers. 
yeah, this is the history that I would like to know about because it's very important and it's the stuff that you don't get taught in school. So let's take a look at some of this article. As I mentioned, if you scroll all the way down, it is a paid article, so I wasn't able to get access to all of it. But the stuff that I am able to access is really interesting. And I'm thinking about subscribing because it's really useful stuff. So he says, uh, 1919 has often been described as a year of national hysteria. Government officials and ignorant Americans began to falsely claim that the country was on the verge of a communist revolution, took out their unjustified fears of communists on immigrants, peaceful political dissidents, minority groups, and labor organizers. But a closer examination of the time reveals that these fears were very rational. The period was marked by huge labor unrest, some of it sponsored by the communist control union, the International Workers of the World, IWW, more than 4 million workers, about 20% of the nation's workforce, would go on to strike at some point during the year. Although the 1918 Seattle general strike was put down without bloodshed, massive incidents of public violence followed the 1919 Boston police strike. That crisis was only ended with military intervention, thousands of uniformed soldiers pouring into Boston, other large strikes paralyzed major cities. Because I think one of the worst things about the revisionist history that were taught of the 20th century, and when I say revisionist history, I mean the mainstream history, because most of the mainstream history of that period is completely lies, told you, was that um, one thing that's missed out is just how much of an effect the Bolshevik Revolution had in Russia and across Europe. Because the second that happened, all of Europe, especially across the East in places like Italy, uh, all of them started to have communist revolutionaries pop up, starting to commit crimes, war crimes, terrorist acts, start to um, domestic terrorism in the streets. And people just pretend like this never happened and that all of the right wing went crazy and started to have some kind of mass hysteria for a period of years. Like we deployed tanks yes, on the streets of Britain back then. And tanks were obviously brand new because we were afraid of the violence getting out of hand. I mean, there's that, that small period of 1919, I think, just gets completely lost. Because it really does. And people think people act as well like um, Italian fascism was something that just popped up because Benito Mussolini was an insane man who wanted to take over the government. No, there's the, um, I think it's called the Benio uh, uh, Rosso, something like that, which uh, translates to the Red Years, where there was lots of communist revolutionaries trying to take over Italy. And Mussolini appealed to the king basically to say, I can put these guys down. And he did. You don't have to justify the rest of the regime or what they ended up doing later in the, in the 30s going along with uh, Hitler and such. But that's why that popped up. It was an explicitly anti-communist front that they tried to put up there. So it's one of the big bits of history that gets left out and you don't have any context. You're left completely tetherless. You're left afloat in the ocean with no understanding of what's around you when, you're, when you have these things not taught to you in your schools and in the mainstream and uh, depicted in the yeah. media. But just one thing to say, he didn't just attack communists. He attacked us, okay, and he paid for it. <laughs> that's spaghetti eater. Yeah, but it's one of those things that's completely left out of history yeah. and that people need to be aware of because it obviously has serious repercussions even into the present period. And he carries on in here saying, bloody racial conflicts broke out across the country, that being the US. There were more than 36 large-scale race riots. The death toll was supposedly in the hundreds. There was an extended terrorist bombing campaign, primarily led by Italian anarchists. Dozens of bombs were detonated in major cities and quiet suburban neighborhoods. These attacks would culminate in the 1920 Wall Street bombing, which killed 40 people outright and seriously injured more than 100 more. Perpetrators were never formally identified. And like today, I imagine they probably could have identified them if they wanted to, but there's always political pressure from radical leftists infiltrating the institutions that say, no, actually, 
we can't look into this because of um, constitutional reasons. You know why this is? This seems really ridiculous because, you know, if you read the history, uh, you know, you don't have to read much, but if you read about some of the revolutions, the major ones, they were talked throughout the, the world, mm-hmm. you know, centuries before that. For instance, French Revolution was a matter of debate instantly, mm. be, even before it happened. There, were, there was debate as to whether it was going to happen. So they could talk about it in the 1780s, but no, in the 1910s and 1920s, it's... Everyone was too busy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's like, things no, don't, don't happen. The entire like, Russian Empire has collapsed into infighting between these rabid lunatics who are burning every church. These genocidal maniacs who explicitly state that their goal is to take over the world and do this to your country as well. I guess we all just went crazy. Yeah. yeah. Ignore that doesn't have any effect on anybody. Why do you care? How does it affect you personally? A huge um, what is it? Oh yeah, go on. One of the Russian songs that this was still used in the late Soviet Union was the Red Army is the greatest army in the world. And one of the verses is literally we will burn every church on earth. It's just like, okay. Why do you care, bro? <laughs> how does it how does it affect you? What, you some kind of Christian? You yeah, a fascist? I mean, it's- but this also shows how truth has nothing to do with the propaganda. And uh, a lot of uh, propagandists, they are just spitting out articles and they want to make claims throughout, throughout the centuries that completely that, that have nothing to do with truth. Well, I th- and I say this because a lot of people have said that, oh, you know, we, we live in the post-truth era. This mm. absolute nonsense. It has I, always been the case that people say, I, have I, used words you know, as actions, as opposed to just representation of reality in order to create a completely false See, idea I, to people. I would say we've been living in a post-truth era for longer than any of us three have been alive and that the lies that have been fed to us have been for a long time. But carrying on. We need to wake up. <laughs> a huge crime wave accompanied this political and racial violence. The automobile enabled fast getaways and a wave of armed robberies. Further exacerbating problems was a huge tide of immigrants, more than 15 million between 1900 and 1915. These cases, uh, these immigrants were often in desperate conditions. Many turned to crime. Building criminal cases against members of close-knit immigrant communities proved extremely difficult for law enforcement. Suspects could easily uh, disappear and did all the time. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Does this sound like anything that might have happened recently? Does this sound like our circumstances? No, not at all. And like I say, the rest of the article goes into a lot more detail about the particular circumstances of those 1919 bombings that I, uh, the, the uh, Veteran Day Parade massacre that I referenced at the beginning of here. Uh, but remember that a lot of people say that, um, well, in, in 1924, America had a very restrictionist immigration act in the, uh, passed, which made it so that it was mainly um, immigration coming from Northwest Europe, Britain, the Nordic countries, France, places like that. And people act as though that's oh, it's terrible. It's so racist of them to do so. But the fact of the matter was that this was partially the reason why, because we weren't getting communists from those parts of the world. They were mainly coming from Eastern Europe and Italy and places like that. So we don't want to be importing 15 million communist revolutionaries into the country. Thank you very much. It kind of reminds me of the, the Trump Muslim ban. And it's like, this is the Muslim ban, guys. Who's on the list? Venezuela and North Korea as well. It's like, yeah, the great Muslim nation of North Korea. Could there be another thing that we're overlooking here that we're trying to get rid of? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, carrying on, he mentioned in there the 1920 Wall Street bombing. Just in case you don't believe that that actually happened, well, here's a picture. And he mentions that uh, you know the leftist terror attacks were very common 
40 people died. There were 100 more wounded. Historians talk about how paranoid and deranged American officials were during that time. In 1919, anarchists detonated a bomb inside the attorney general's house while his family were inside. If the AG wasn't safe, how do you think normal people felt? Now, remember that we always hear about the Klan and other forms of right-wing extremism, terrorism. What's the one that they always go on about? Uh, was it the Tulpa? The Tulpa riots that went on in the 1910s? Tulsa? Tulsa. That was it. Yeah. The Tulsa riots that went on that we see propagandized in all sorts of television shows like Watchmen, despite the fact that the, what the actual events of that riot seem to be very murky because it's all eyewitness testimony from different sides of the factions. We know that there was a riot that we went on. We know that it was uh, conducted along racial lines. Whereas Watchmen shows that it was just clan members out in the street murdering black people for no reason. And there was planes going, where they, going overhead where they were dropping bombs on innocent black families. This is the level of propaganda that we're given whenever it's uh, along leftist lines where they can say, look, America was such an oppressive, terrible society. The Klan were airstriking us in 1919. Yes, that's what Watchmen wanted people to think. And remember, most people get their information, get their knowledge of history from TV and movies. So a lot of people will probably be sat there watching that going, oh my God, can you believe this happened? The clan were really well fitted, weren't they? Good no, God. no, I can't believe it. So that's not true. Yeah, it's <laughs> obvious nonsense. But you know that somebody will have believed that having watched it. But this just gets completely brushed you know, over. You know, spontaneous combustion. Uh, what, what yeah, we just explode? We're, we're just uh, people randomly explode. It could happen to things, Harry. could happen to me. It could happen to you <laughs> too. And then uh, we can go on to... The LA Times. Someone, someone in the chat just wrote Clan Airlines. It's just <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously not real. Uh, the, well, I think the most, what that comes from is that there were rumors spread at the time that there might have been a plane flying overhead while yeah. the riots were going on. Yeah, someone made up that it was now dropping bombs. And then Watchmen went, the, the no, creators no, 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 bro, of the Watchmen bro, 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 TV Clan show. Airlines was bombing. <laughs> yeah, obviously that was, was what was happening. There was Looney Tunes. They got it directly from <laughs> Acme. <laughs> God, I hear Wiley Coyote was involved <laughs> somehow. Uh, there was the LA Times bombing, which killed 21, 100 injured, which was purely because of the fact that it was a conservative newspaper. And Clarence Darrow, the civil rights hero, who was one of the founding leaders, I think, of the ACLU, represented the bombers and claimed it was a gas leak and then bribed jurors to get them off. Thanks. And somebody in the comments here posted about this one as well. There's dozens of these. You can go back to this particular time period and find dozens of reports of bombings, murders, terrorist attacks, constantly all aimed at the institutions which maintain peace and order in America, all conducted by communist re revolutionaries and anarchist agita agitators, all terrorists like this one, Milwaukee Police Department bombing, November 1917, bomb attack that killed nine members of local law enforcement in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The perpetrators were never caught, but are suspected to be an anarchist terrorist cell operating in the United States in the early 20th century. Dozens. dozens. Was that a way of, a way of expression? Of, le of letting some steam off? Blowing some steam off? How do you say? Summer of love, man. Yeah. But that's how they would have, yeah. I imagine, spun it at the time as well. Well, they still are. Yeah. I don't know if people would have believed it as much back then. There were probably still very sensible people operating in the government who said that's obvious rubbish. Don't Tell their response lies. was, commie's got to go. Yes. Which is not the response a few years ago. And this is just a reminder as well. The left have always conducted terrorist attacks and been absolutely insane. We know 
going back to, as you I mentioned, mean, there's the a doctrine of, doctrine of revolutionary violence. The permanent revolution as well. We constantly need to be overthrowing society again and again and again, because if anything gets in power, it inevitably becomes conservative. So we need to constantly be just murdering people, overthrowing people constantly. That's what the French Revolution descended into. Yeah, and a lot of people have said that authoritarian regimes have uh, a common um, source and that they treat violence as a sort of purification. Mm. And uh, I think leftists have always uh, had this issue with the glorification of revolutionary violence. Yeah. They still have it to this day, by the way. Of course they do. That's what we see. That's what we saw in 2020. That's what we see with Antifa, who people say aren't a continuation of this exact same thing, but then you read into the literature around them and they explicitly say, oh yeah, we're following on from all of these and trying to take in the same sort of boots on the ground terrorizing tactics. They don't list, label themselves as terrorists, yeah. but that's the actions that they do. But because of the fact that they are supposedly decentralized, that means that they're not terrorists. <laughs> I mean, it's an absolute joke. And this carried on into the 1970s. I own this book, haven't read it, but here's some, uh, here's some details of it from a review in the New York Times, a book called Days of Rage by Brian Burra, which talks about the domestic terrorism that was going on in America from the 1960s through to the 1970s done by leftist terrorists. No, I wanted to say that it's incredible how in universities they're trying to talk about this in a way. And I remember listening to the idea that well, it's a really bad idea to talk about terrorists like being mad, sad, or bad. And I was thinking, who cares? They're dangerous. They want to kill you. Yeah. Why censor that? <laughs> why, why obfuscate that from people? Oh, yeah, so that they take sympathy with the terrorists. So they relate yeah. to the terrorists. So they think that they're the good guys. That's why. Why, do they, why does there have to be a debate on this? Well, because a lot of people want us dead and hate our civilization. <laughs> That's literally it's why. It's a good answer. Yeah, there it is. In 1965, Carl Oglesby was elected president of Students for Democratic Society, the principal campus-based organization of the 1960s New Left. SDS then had some 10,000 members over the next few years, thanks to a swelling, uh, swelling opposition to the Vietnam War among young Americans. It expanded tenfold, so about 100,000. Oglesby, a thoughtful opponent of the war, made an important contribution to SDS's success, but by 1969 found himself on the sidelines. A more radically inclined leadership cadre, collectively known as the Weathermen, which would later split off into the Weather Underground, was in the process of dismantling SDS as a mass organization, determined to convert it in the rhetoric of the time into a revolutionary youth movement. Days of Rage is a comprehensive overview uh, providing a look at the violence perpetrated by these would-be revolutionary vanguards from the end of the 60s through to the 1980s, including the Weather Underground, uh, Black Liberation Army, Symbionese Liberation Army, Fuerza Amadas de Liberation Nacional Portacarina. I think I got I'm that impressed. right. Harry, you're integrating. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I need to be more Anglo. As well as a host of freelance desperados, they left behind a trail of bodies, including both the victims and sometimes themselves. They also left behind shattered movements, ideals, and hopes. In 1972 alone, there were over 1,900 domestic bombings in the United States. Most of them committed by these leftist terrorists. That's people. a lot. Now, yeah, I know it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, being the New York Times, most of the rest of the article is trying to obfuscate who did it and saying, well, there were also right-wing extremist groups at the time. But no... Clan Airlines were busy that year. Literally, they referenced the Klan. The Klan was still in operation, so it must have been them conducting all of these domestic terrorist bombings in favor of leftist communist... No, no, that's not, that's not it, is it? No. Uh, and 
we can get some examples of this. So the Weather Underground, a completely insane organization run by insane people, they, uh, is uh, covered a bit more in a review of this book where it mentions some interesting excerpts from this book, uh, Outlaws of America. As Weather saw it, nationalist struggles were challenging imperialism, and it was the primary job of white radicals to break with their white skin privilege and eventually to take up armed struggle against the US government. Anything less would be an acceptance of privilege, which was just as bad as being a full-blown racist. Now, this was the 60s and 70s, and things just haven't changed since then. He also mentions in the book the Flint War Council, where weather leader Bernadine Dawn praised the Charles Manson Group's LA murders, that's of Sharon Tate, the pregnant Sharon Tate, where Charles Manson murdered a pregnant woman and her house guests, uh, while others talked about whether killing white children should help stop the spread of white supremacy. The more things change, the more they stay the same. There's a reports on the FBI website, on their history website, talking about the Weather Underground bombings, where an explosion in 1975, January, rocked the headquarters of the U.S. State Department in Washington, D.C. No one was hurt, but the damage was extensive, impacting 20 offices on three separate floors. Hours later, another bomb was found at a military induction center in Oakland, California, and safely detonated. Domestic terrorist group called the Weather Underground claim responsibility for both bombs. Our intention is to disrupt the empire, to incapacitate it, to put pressure on the cracks, claimed the group's 1974 manifesto. And the next year, they claimed credit for 25 bombings, including ones against the US Capitol, the Pentagon, the California Attorney General's office, and a New York City police station. So they directly attacked the Capitol and the Pentagon, and they took credit for it. So do you reckon this is going to be named alongside January 6th as the worst thing that's ever been to happen to uh, American democracy, a direct threat on American yeah, how they democracy? Jumped up, this is as bad as Pearl Harbor, not this. Hmm. This is not something that, that sleeps into any of the Democrats' minds. Yeah. Even though it's the same place. There's a lot more damage. Yes. <laughs> Remarkable, isn't it? And then from the Weather Underground sprang up another offshoot called the May 19th Communist Organization, which holds the, uh, holds the title as being the first and only women-created and women-led terrorist group in American history. Diversity. Truly amazing. Representation. Girl boss terrorists. <laughs> oh my God, eat your heart out. As, at least I can say that this argument, you know, at least these terrorist groups, they have more representation of groups, you know, the yeah. members of... It's beautiful. We can all hold hands. Diversity is the strength or something. It, it was for these guys. <laughs> After their formation in 1978, M19's tactics escalated from picketing and poster making to robbing armored trucks and abetting prison breaks. Just to make you clear. Just a bit of a jump. <laughs> they did have men helping them with all of this. Oh, yeah. Which makes sense. In 1979, they helped spring explosives builder <laughs> William Morales of the Puerto Rican nationalist group FALN, the one that I pronounced earlier, and Black Liberation Army organizer Asata Shaka from their respective prisons. Both of them remain on the FBI's wanted lists to this day for terrorism and are thought to be living in Cuba in hiding. Eventually, M19 turned to building explosives themselves just before 11 p.m. on November 7th, 1983. They called the U.S. Capitol switchboard and warned them to evacuate the buildings. Ten minutes later, a bomb detonated in the building's north wing, harming no one but blasting a 15-foot gash in a wall and causing $1 million worth of damage. Over the course of a 20-month span in 1983 and 1984, M19 also bombed an FBI office, the Israel Aircraft Industries Building, and the South African Consulate in New York, D.C.'s Fort McNair, and the Navy Yard, which they hit twice. None of these mentioned alongside January 16th 
or anything of the matter, all consigned to the dustbin of history. Because you're not supposed to remember this, despite the fact that one of the founding members, a woman called Susan Rosenberg, which, who I've mentioned before on this show, uh, was let out by executive order on the last day of President Clinton's um, time in office, and then went on to be part of an organization called Thousand Currents, which helped BLM organize and helped to funnel millions of dollars to BLM. So actual domestic terrorists were involved in what definitely isn't a domestic terrorist group. It's just were run by the Miguel money from them. Yes. Okay. Interesting. So the Red Scare was real and it's still going on. To sum up. Good points. I suppose on that we'll move to, um, well... I love to say I told you so. How so. could this happen to me? Take it away, Stelios. Well, I must say that polygamous relationships are problematic relationships, and who would have guessed? Yeah. Perhaps. I guess that's the question. Anyway, let's look at the first tweet. It says here, by unlimited L's, Melina, the wife of American live streamer and political commentator known as Destiny, who both share an open relationship has open, reportedly run away with a man in Sweden. A, a twink in Sweden, by the looks of it as well. Yes. So that's, that's a twink, not the twink that she ran away yeah. with. Anyway, we have this... Um... It's, it's, it looks like a Discord. Yeah. No. Destiny was saying basically that he is a bit pissed off with Melina. He says, I'll have a small conversation when I'm back about things. I'm not going to nuke Melina or anything. But the last two months have been a massive mind F for me, watching her become obsessed with a toxic, abusive guy. Anyway, he is a guy who basically threatened her that if she doesn't divorce Destiny, he is going to kill himself. And for some reason, allegedly, she went with this guy. Let us watch this clip. This with her like I have so Why does this girl take my place? Who's this girl? Who's this girl? <laughs> Who's this girl? Who is she? It's Tima. It's Tima. There's intense interrogation oh, about the know. likes of her. <laughs> oh, don't say. Oh, oh, no, don't steal that from me. Don't steal Tima to allude to your lap. Isn't this how... What am I looking at? Sorry. I don't know. Uh, She's got very unique taste in men. I don't know, but honestly, what the hell? Let us look at this also, the next clip. Yeah. Hi, what's your name? Melina. Can you get me laid? Yeah. When? Today. With? Your mom. I don't want that. Wait, who's my, ooh, who's my mom? Me. Yeah! You know, I don't believe it. I, I don't believe it. That was a horrible, cringy exchange. What's XQC doing in the corner as well? I don't know, it was... <laughs> Why is he there? Just any video you play at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> XQC is just like, react? Yeah. Reaction okay, time? move to the next one. Anyway, we'll, we'll get there in a bit, because um, le let me see also. The, there was another clip. Yeah, says Bombshell Destiny has revealed that him and Melina are done. He claims she's head over heels for a jobless dude who is allegedly abusive. He claims that she was the last toxic holdover from his past self and that she always gravitated towards guys who shat on him. Basically, I don't, I don't know. What, what do you make of this? So let me get just this, look let me at get this actually straight. Look at the video. There is something I don't buy here. Wait. So who who claims that she was last toxic take holdover from his past self? Hang on. What's destiny? The people are not going to know what the hell's going on. So. Yeah. 
So Destiny had this lady. He had an open relationship with her in which she would go off and meet guys and he was meant to go off and meet girls. And then she's uh, finally decided that she got with this guy in Sweden. That guy is really abusive and is like, if you don't break up with Destiny, I'm going to kill myself. So is it the truth or is it just a rumor that now she has broken up with him and now she's going to go live with this lunatic? People say that it's real. I just don't believe it. I don't know. I just... I just look at Melina and that guy. They just don't fit together. Something's not right here. I mean, I don't think any of this is right. Yeah. To be honest. The, the, the whole concept I found. Bad. Yeah. But that's, that's my view. So the issue and why we're doing this, because, you know, Callum, our first, first collaboration was on the 23rd of December last year. Is it almost an anniversary? 10 more days. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I'm can, glad that you two have stayed exclusive. You can look at this. <laughs> you can... I mean, there are other co-hosts. We've presented together. This is news to me. not supposed to know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so basically, we did this. That was a segment. Um, John told me that this segment aged like fine wine. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that was a bit. It, it's a bit. So I remember, but this was her. She went on, what was it, Fresh and Fit with him or whatever. And they were talking about how everything's fine and trust me, the relationship's fine and we're totally secure and nothing could go wrong. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it. And now it's gone wrong. That's the news, basically. I think the funny thing as well is that they actively went out there to broadcast their relationship. If you're in some kind of weird relationship in your private life, that's one thing. But then it's going out and talking about it very publicly, making everybody know that that's what you're doing, letting letting them know as well that by doing it, you're actively better than them because it means that I'm more stable, I'm more secure in myself and my masculinity. Because I don't mind if my missus is going out and banging other dudes. Uh, that that's very that's strange. weird, and you that's know, very that... strange. And then bragging about it, and then everybody turns around and says, "This is going to blow up in your face." And then getting into debates on it. The whole thing is a PR disaster. And for years now, since this has been going on, people have been trying to debate him on this. And he just completely ignores it and dismisses all of the concerns that people have. But the fact of the matter is, if you're broadcasting a relationship that leads everybody to uh, question it and you spend half of your time justifying your relationship, that's a very strange position to find yourself in. Anyway, so what happened in that segment was that I was reading an article from Health Day by last year, December 19, 2022, where it said several things, key takeaways. Many folks who are in relationships that aren't monogamous face stigma for their choices, scientists report. Even though one in five Americans has tried such a relationship, that may be a bit, that sounds that a bit- That sounds too high. Too high. 20%? Well- Americans are strange. 40% say they have been judged negatively or threatened, and that can lead to low self-esteem and discrimination, say experts who have studied the issue for years. So basically, the main argument I was making on, on that segment was that this seems to me like a projection. Why? Because there are all sorts of things that can be bad in open relationships and that are psychologically harmful for people who partake in them. And the main bulk of why they may feel low self-esteem and discrimination or things like that has to do with them being in an open relationship, not with people reacting and justifiably feeling weird about it. Because let's say if someone comes and tells you, well, hello, uh, I'm interested in two open relationships. The first thing you're going to think is, well, this guy may want to sleep with my wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And it's understandable to be on the defensive about that because most normal people don't want. I love my wife. Yeah, (laughs) I don't want my wife having sex with other men. Thank you. And and that's a great point though, because if you're interacting with just normal couples, yeah, like you don't think they think no, they're happy, we're happy. Yes, and I mean, even even if it's even more subtle than that, it's not. It doesn't have to be overt. And someone says, "Hey, I'm interested in you know potentially sleeping with your wife." It's more subtle because <laughs> my name's Keith. <laughs> good to meet you. Now go away. <laughs> what have you done to feel good about it? You should feel good about it. You shouldn't feel jealous. That's the whole idea, and that that's the the argument that I think that is constantly being hammered from that side. That allegedly, and it ties to what you said before, that the worst thing that you can feel is jealousy, because if you're jealous, you're insecure. If you're insecure, you're not a man. Therefore, just let your wife sleep with other people. That's nonsense. There are things that it's perfectly normal to exactly. be jealous yeah. of. Exactly. Real men have no boundaries. Yeah. It's just not true. No, real men set boundaries. That's one of the and are explicit things. about them. That's one of the things that we yeah. do. And that's an interesting thing because boundaries have to do with limits you set on relationships. You say that there are some things you do, some things you don't do. So if you have an open relationship and there is no sense of commitment there, or at least a substantial degree of commitment then you don't have a relationship you may occasionally fornicate to something but that's not a relationship okay there has to be a commitment element commitment dimension into a relationship especially when it is supposed to be a meaningful one because a lot of the people on the polygamy side they say that they are in favor of of a meaningful relationship I'll i'll say something from i have met people in the past who have been in polyamorous relationships and every single time it has blown up in their face and they've been telling me the whole time, no, it works great. We're engaged even. We're going to get married, but we're going to keep it open once it's married. And I've asked them, what's the point of getting married then if yeah, you're well, not completely exclusive to one another? Woman moment. And they just, <laughs> and, well, it was a woman. And she said, oh, you just, you just don't understand. It's perfectly fine the way it works. And then they end up breaking up with one another because one feels that the other is cheating because they have to set these really explicit rules down to the very minute details to make sure that you don't get jealous. Because if you have organized your relationship in such a way that the main target of every interaction is you have to set ground rules on how not to be jealous of the other person sleeping with somebody else, that's a recipe for disaster. And somebody always messes up one of the rules. And then they go, you cheated on me. No, I didn't cheat on you. This is the whole point where you get to sleep with other people. Yeah, but you have to do it this particular way and it blows up and everybody's unhappy. The other ways I've seen it go down is that one, oftentimes it's a guy who is with a girl, not saying that this has anything to do with this situation, but is with a a girl who is obviously out of his league. He's hitting above his weight. But the only way that she is going to stay committed to him is if he lets her sleep with other guys which means that you are not somebody that she respects. You are not somebody that she truly cares about. You are a guy who she goes back to to, for consistent resources, essentially. So the other thing I said in the the segment there was that, for instance, (laughs) sorry, let me see here. What's going on here? Yeah, the other bit was that I showed some clips of Melina where she was saying basically that she has only done open relationships. And... that destiny is her main partner because it's convenient and that usually it's too tiresome and er- energy consuming to have multiple partners. That's why they stick together for, m- the most, for most of the time. So and basically, men don't hear that and say, wow, I'm going to put a ring on that. 
No, of, of course not. That shouldn't be the case, Harry. And we agree. But l- let me just say that, you know, some people would disagree for some reason, and I don't know why, but l- let us try to, to talk. Is that what I said was that it's a bit disrespectful to your partner to be in an interview and talk to people. It doesn't have to be public. You could, you could talk to other people in front of it and say that, well, I'm together. We're mostly together because it's convenient. It's too energy consuming to have other, to be with other people. So I, I mostly stay with you. So what I thought it was that this is a kind of concealed way of her blackmailing him. It sounds like an insult. It, it was an insult. I think it was an insult. Anyway, so he took uh, issue with our segment and he had several responses. Let us look. And he put uh, me in double I speed. Ultimate. Uh, There's a reason why I speak slowly. I can speak fast. There's a reason I speak slowly. Anyway. Uh, and I found Destiny and Melina. And I want us to look at how Melina talks about their see, relationship. And I want to see your reaction. That is. One well, interesting aspect of your relationship is you're in an open relationship. Mm-hmm. What's that like from a game theoretic simulation perspective? What went into that calculation? And like, how does that like how that started? Or? Yeah, how that started? Sure. Um, the only relationships I've ever done has been open relationships since I was like, in high school because I didn't really understand like why wouldn't you be able to like do other things with other people but then just like have your main partner basically. So what, what is an open relationship generally speaking? Um, you have one like main a partner? non-monogamous relationship. Like you're somehow allowed like in different ways. Um, you can see other people sexually. Sexually, but like there's one main. Okay, uh, or it doesn't have to be there for some people, but like okay. I think it's probably easier. And we probably don't really have time or the energy for like more than like one person to like really like. What about like emotional? It's really complicated. There's a lot of complicated stuff going on under the hood there. Yeah. That's the understatement of the year. I just talked about how her answer was, I don't understand why. And she just moves on, so why don't you investigate why? Why, why is it that, you know, it, it is generally the norm that people like to have monogamous relationships sexually and not have you walk off and F other guys. So it's almost like there's feelings and stuff that, that that's, that's wrong and, and a betrayal. But no, okay, she just she doesn't investigate. Well, yeah, but the obvious answer is she doesn't have those same feelings. The, when it comes to like, this is another one of those scenarios where I have to be better than all of these people. And it's really, really, really hard, right? Because the equivalent to Wait, these guys projecting their shit onto me would be me coming around and saying like, oh, why do you do monogamous relationships? Because you're an insecure who's like, you're threatened that your is smaller than every other guy's. And if your girl sees another, like that would be the equivalent. But I don't say that, obviously. Like, I think most people probably work well in monogamous relationships, like 98%, 99% of people. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But like, why do you turn around and then try to like make all these weird, like psychological evaluations into my shit? Like, it's not like monogamous relationships are doing too hot in the United States. What's the divorce rate? Like 60%? Like, bro, like chill. Jesus. So basically, Callum, we're insecure Fs who are um, worried about our man- manlihood. That's the, uh, I, I love manhood. The, I love the way he did the, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that you're an insecure, small dick twat. Yeah. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I would never call you that. That's why I'm better than you, because I would never say... Yeah. That yeah. you're an insecure, insecure bellend. But you know, I mean, you can't. I, I, okay. Your wife cheats on you. Yeah. What, what's more to discuss? Anyway, so <laughs> if, but if there are no rules, it's not cheating, Callum. Okay. okay. Th- that's how you. That's no, how you I, solve I, the issue. To engage in some childish dialogue, because he began, I suppose. It is comical to be like, oh, well, your problem is your small penis because you can't keep a girl. It's like she literally leaves you every night for other penis. And now she's left you for good, supposedly. <laughs> but, but there's another issue that, about the psychologizing argument is that, okay, normally I hate psychologizing because it has to do with focusing on who says something and alleged causes as to why they say it as opposed to 
focusing on the argument. But when you're talking about, you know, how people feel and how they are in relationships and whether they develop sentiments of jealousy or not, you are talking about feelings. So you kind of have to focus on feelings. Anyway, and also it's not psychologizing to point out something that is incredibly obvious to everybody around you, which is why you're constantly having to defend your relationship. Yeah, debates. and you know, he, he constantly says that, you know, I was misrepresenting him and maybe that you were misrepresenting him a lot. And there may have been a point like that, but because honestly, I, mean, I will say this. When I was presenting this segment, I didn't know much about the conversation, but the, the obvious question is, what do you need to know in order to understand that this is this is wrong, okay? And it may backfire. It doesn't need any substantial wisdom. You don't need to have a PhD I, no, to, to, to talk about it. I have it. seen a funny meme, which I think was a YouTube comment that somebody left regarding this, saying, uh, so Destiny, what do you think caused your relationship to fail? Destiny's response, I don't know. There's not been a peer-reviewed study on it yet. <laughs> That's kind of his response to a lot of things. Sorry, you've said something that's incredibly obvious to anybody with any life experience. Yeah. I'm, I won't accept that unless there's a peer-reviewed study confirming it. Yeah, so for instance, some, some people were criticizing me for not discerning between polygamy and polyamory. And, okay, cares? okay. at the end of the day, you your just don't let, your, you, 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 you don't let your partner sleep with other people. Okay? Just full stop. Have you ever watched Arrested okay. Development? Yeah. You, you, you know Tobias in that case. He's yeah. the, the therapist who... When he's going through a rough patch with his own wife, they recommend uh, he gets in an open relationship. Uh, yeah. And he goes, you know, I've recommended this to people before. It's kind of a Hail Mary. It never works. And somehow these people yeah. convince themselves that it will work. And it never does. I mean, but maybe it'll work for us. You, you don't need a PhD to say that, you know, if you allow this to happen, that means that there were no feelings or there were no strong feelings. And the chances that... At some point, your partner will develop feelings for someone else, will increase. So it doesn't. You don't need to to have done any research or study about it. Apparently, jobless twinks. Anyway, so there's something fishy about it. I will say, <laughs> I, I will say, there's something very fishy about it. Anyway, let's move to the next point. He made. This is another so let's see how Destiny evolves his line of thinking when it comes to his uh, opinions on Manosphere. Let us, let us watch. All right, cool. So uh, what are some ideas that they represent and what do you think about them? I think they do a good job at speaking to disaffected young men who feel like the rest of the world has kind of left them behind or isn't willing to speak to them. And they do identify some true and real problems. Feels like on the left, we have a really hard time doing like self-improvement or telling people how to better themselves. We focus too much on like structural or systemic issues rather than what can an individual do to uplift or empower themselves. And it also feels like they do a good job at speaking to some of the positive aspects of masculinity. That it's okay to be like strong and brave and a soldier and a warrior and provide for your family and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I feel like those are like positive messages, like self-improvement and everything that come from the Red Pill community. What's the negative? I think the analysis on how men and women interact is way too transactional. All of like the romanticism and love and chemistry is totally sucked out of it. Everything is very like sex-based. Like how do you basically have sex with the most amount of women possible? And that's going to make you happy. So we have an advocate of polyamory accusing the manosphere of telling young men to go and find many partners. Yeah, that's pretty weird. I was about to say like... I that's, that's not what I just said. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of sexual partners. <laughs> but if the whole goal of your relationship advice is just geared towards being a boy, playing people and people... <laughs> Why do, oh, I hate this arc. I actually hate this arc. Are these guys virgins or are they at least married? Now I'm really curious. 
I don't like talking about the relationship because I don't know like what, what the background is of a lot. It's like it would this would be like a it's like having like chess debates online and you're like you've got like grandmasters and then you've got a bunch of people that are like 800 ELO like telling you like, oh, black should win 75 percent of the time. He's like, what the <laughs> fuck are you even talking about? It's so annoying listening to people give everybody give their takes on this shit when it's like, I need to know where you come from. I need like I need like a relationship status, body count, like social stat. I need like this listed above your head so I know what you're coming from when you say this shit. Guy who sacrifices his queen first move every game. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how to play chess. I it's just, I, I, how does he not understand our point though? Which is that we don't really believe that you can have an open relationship and have the level of intimacy and feelings that you would in a monogamous one. Which is why it always ends in failure and isn't the social norm. I feel like that was pretty obvious. Well, it's it's, it's obvious. Because... Why do you, why do you need a background check, a DBS check? You know, a desk I want your early school. life before I respond to you. Well, yes. Yeah, it's, it's because okay. it, uh, it's pride to admit that he'd made a mistake. Everybody uh, internalizes these parts of their own identities, and you don't want to admit that you've made a mistake because yeah. you look foolish. It's but, very but, especially when he's gone out of his way to broadcast and debate all of this multiple times. But over. what was this this analogy about? About uh, you know, grand chess master. And, uh, he's saying that because he slept, because he slept with a lot of men and women, that makes him a grand chess master. And because he's head cannoned that you two are both virgins, that means that you're complete amateurs and have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, so I, I will say that you know I hate this because you know you don't have you don't need to say that you say you're about things, but it's none of anyone's business. You know what? our body count is and if we're virgins or not like if so, you're going on um fresh and fit like yeah. that's obviously yeah. part of the show yeah but to the question of whether or not polyamory is going to work for most people yeah i don't think you need anyone's early life i think you can probably find you out don't need it no you don't need it and also i i think that basically this uh, conversation of the uh, saying you know my body count is higher than yours and stuff i think that's ridiculous because again it's about quantity it's not about quality, and this is what we have tried to say from the beginning. Did you mean the other way around? It's about quality, not quantity. It's about quality, yeah. Yeah, there you go. We are we are talking about, you know, the the kind of feelings you develop in a in a relationship, and you there is something you could say almost magic about a good relationship. You sort of feel it. You don't need to do a PhD about it. Anyway, so, so what I wanted to to say is that I think that the the accusations he made were a bit of a cope, but it's important to not try and uh, be very negative and uh, try to see the good in this because I really think that this could be good for him. And, and I, I, I say this and I mean this in, in the best possible way. It Obviously, being ditched is not good, okay? On its own. But if you're being ditched by a bad person, most probably that's for good. Okay, and uh, maybe you know these are circumstances in life where you know we are in a sense confronted with things we find painful, but maybe this is an incentive for thinking, and I want an incentive for self mastery and and growth. And uh, I really hope Destiny has a better partner afterwards and have a meaningful life and a happy one. And one suggestion that. Uh, one first step because it usually starts with first steps you know what do they say a journey of a thousand a thousand miles begins with the first begins step with the first step so the first step is basically a low to see to subscription you can visit their website 
Symposium 48 and watch the discussion I had with Josh on Miyamoto Musashi's Book of Five Rings, The Samurai Way of the Sword, an excellent way of achieving self-mastery. You There's see, a comment section. You can get into arguments with all sorts of people down there. Yeah, you can. So basically, and just also with five pounds a month, you can gain access to all the lovely, lovely premium content. So that's the first step. And the second step is just listen to common sense. And let me just end with this because in our segment, I also also mentioned um, Will Smith, Chris Rock, and what Jada Pinkett Smith calls the holy slap. Now, I'm, I'm not defending the slap. Personally, I think it was a big mistake. It wasn't good, especially if we think that Chris Rock was a comedian. And Will Smith had a comedic background, I think, in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But what I wanted to say is that what it says here is that she said that the slap sa- sort of saved their marriage. And I, and, and I want to build on that idea and say one thing, that um, it says here that this revealed that they were secretly separated for seven years and they lived completely separate lives. You can look at it here. And they were a bit exhausted with trying. And uh, what she said, that they weren't even living together. And where is it? Made a promise that there will never be a reason for us to get a divorce. So what she says that when she saw the slap take place, she sort of felt that they were about to do the bond, to bond again. And I want to say this because I don't think it's a coincidence that she thinks that a display of a kind of acquisitiveness, I mean, obviously you use the word acquisitiveness for possessions. Maybe it's the, maybe it's a, the wrong word, but in a relationship where you're committed, you're saying you're my partner. Okay. There, there is a kind of. Well, it's assertive. There, it's assertive. So maybe that's the word. So I don't think it's a coincidence that you have a very famous couple who was, in a sense, practicing an open relationship. Uh, that I think that's the most famous couple who did this. And uh, after years of, let's say, living separately, she thought that an action that, according to this polygamy perspective, is insecurity, is what actually saved their marriage. And at least make her more interested in trying again. Interesting how that works, isn't it? Yeah. So... I want to end again with a positive thing and I hope to destiny that you find a really good partner and live a meaningful life and a happy one. A happy message to end off with. Yeah. Congratulations, boys. You have defeated feminism. However, your actions do not come without consequences. The carnage caused during the battle has sent the invading hordes fleeing towards the north. Ah, oh, that's fine. The men of the north know how to take care of little piss takers like them. Maybe I haven't made myself clear. The invaders ventured north, north. Wait, you don't mean... Yes. The invading hordes have crossed into the realm of the barbarians, the forbidden lands of the Hugh White people. Oh, no, no, no. Well, that's not good. I don't get it. What's the problem? Him. (laughs) Come back next time to find the daring adventures of the... (laughs) I like Harry the Pirate. I I like Harry the Pirate as well. He's my new favourite version of myself. I prefer him to the real me. God, I wish I was him. Yeah, the next one. Whether a symptom or a cause, progressives seem to lack basic reading comprehension. Reading complex literature fosters critical thinking, which again explains progressives.
Just as a small child would not be able to read War of the Worlds, progressives cannot understand why their views are contradictory. I'm also glad that you enjoy me showing off my mech projects, but I'm not just making these entirely for the lols. I do have an end goal in mind. Uh, he's now put his end goal on screen for people listening, which is the end goal is walking fully motorized power armor. Which yes, okay, I can I can wholeheartedly agree that's a good goal, and I've fantasized about it a lot myself. How so. do you profit from this? What is Mar Marduk is in question, a question, question profit? Marduk is a Mesopotamian deity. I can't. Interesting it's name. A microphone. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go to the next one. Oh, no, oh, that, that was it. That was it. The, the next one was just um, unfortunate. <laughs> that was just going to make it all sad again. Yeah. Well, go to the comments. So, Lewis McDonough says, someone who has a weirdly close Lewis name. Lewis McDonough. Like, oh, that's a fake name. That's, not, that's a real name. What are you want about? It's like my, my last name. It's not real. Yeah. Anyway, Callum and Dank only fans hype train. So yeah, get on board. Uh, Karambit says hello, hello, Lotus Eaters crew. Normally I am lazy, so I don't catch these live as I'm American and who likes getting up at eight? That's fair enough. Fair. But I am here today. I hope you're all doing well. Well, yes. Um, go back to bed. Anyway, Sophie Left says <laughs> encouraging good habits and behaviors from our audience. <laughs> I see. Uh, Sophie says Callum has been visiting the Turkish barber. I see. No haircut. Nope. Deaf to no, I mean, um, boycott Turkish barbers. Um, I went to the Portuguese because they're not a bunch of people smuggling, drug peddling ISIS lovers. Did you not go to the hairdressers I told you about? What was that one? The one around, um, the, the one in Swindon that actually employs English people. I've probably forgotten about it. Well, I like the Brazilian guys, they're, they're employing right. foreigners. They so. like, um, what's his name as well? Bolsonaro. So, oh, okay, fair play. International nationalist. Uh, Grant Gibson says, I purpose. I propose. Propose. <laughs> my parrot. <laughs> I propose a trade. No, I'm correcting you. What's that thing called? Grammarly. That's what I was meant I'm to say. I'm your anti dyslexic parrot. Yeah. I propose a trade to the leftists. We will implement sustainable energy. You allow us to do net zero migration. Well, that's a win win for us, to be honest. I, I really quite like sustainable energy goals. It's just the, the ones they pick are retarded. Like solar farms. Yeah. Which council was it? I think it was Essex Council went bankrupt because they invested in a solar farm here in Wiltshire. And the guy who sold it to him was like, yeah, yeah, it makes double this electricity that it says, trust me, bro. Oh, Obviously, no. it didn't. So the value of their investment halved when the truth came out, which bankrupted them. Do you reckon there's like a ceiling for local councils for how smart you're allowed to be? You have to take an IQ <laughs> test. If you score too high, you're disbarred. Yeah, probably. But I mean, sorry, like you were investing in a solar farm in Wiltshire. Are you stupid? Like, of course, that wasn't going to make backheads of money. Like, whatever. Anyway, so uh, Omar Awad says, imagine spending you... Uh, imagine pretending. pretending you integrate... I swear, it gets worse with every cough. Uh, imagine pretending to you integrate your immigrants and not holding them to the same standards. And then someone has scribbled out everything else from that, so I, I can't... I can't read it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Omar. You'll have to write less terrorism next time. Uh, Connor Lewis says, in regards to not being asked, it's even worse than not have been asked. We have been asked with every general election and the referendum on the EU, and we were just disregarded. That is true. That is totally true. Yeah, that hurts. 
Francis Taylor says, why would you shame the native people? That's just dumb. Yeah. Because you hate them. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's why I don't really, I can't really get angry at the TV or the radio when I'm listening to progressive stuff. Because you know that person isn't really real. There was a slot that's open for propaganda and they just they pick anyone. Yeah. I mean, you replace Sanjita with Ooh, David Lamy. foreign Lamy. name? Ooh, that's what we'll put there. Well, think about it. I mean, James O'Brien, Sanjita, David Lamy, I'm thinking of who's on LBC, right? They're all replaceable. Utterly replaceable. Because what matters is just the message. They're not real human beings with an interesting personality. <laughs> I mean, who wants to hang out with James O'Brien? You, you want if to I be ever, berated about how stupid you are? If I ever see David Lammy in public now, I'm going to point at him and shout, you're not real! I know you're not real! You can't fool me! I'm getting off this plane. <laughs> <laughs> but sincerely, like James O'Brien, all he does is tell everyone else that they're stupid because they don't agree with him. That's what LBC presenters are there for. Yeah. like it's, it's Sanjita not, does the exact same thing. They're not humans. They're just robots when they're actually performing. Derek Power says, so we natives can't see other people as homogenous blocks, yet we are all collectively vilified and even dehumanized. Interesting. Yes. Hector Rex says, takes a massive dump in the street, knifes a baby. Police officer, what are you doing? Integrating. What else? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, carry on then. As you were, sir. <laughs> well, I was listening to LBC, you see. <laughs> it's a failure of the community that there isn't po- to- uh, enough free toilet roll everywhere. Yeah. You don't need you toilet don't need roll. roll. That's what the left hand's for. Maybe I haven't oh, integrated yet. Yeah, well, you know. Stelios, that's I, very racist. Aren't you? What I have, did I say? You assumed they wanted to use toilet roll. Think about that. How do you actually wipe with your hand and then not kill yourself? Because, like, your hand's covered in shit. I, I mean, they are all very short, Callum. There's got to be a reason. No, but sincerely, I imagine if you actually sat down and used your hand. No, I, mean, I don't want to think about that. No, but that's my point. I mean, sincerely, how does the global south live with themselves? My, my disgust mechanism alone prevents me from even thinking about that in any great. Even detail. conceptualizing it as often. I can't. Like, That's what I mean. I just, I don't know. You'd, you'd have to go and wash your hands. You can't. I'm sad now. But if you're in the street, there's no. Oh God. I'm, I'm disgusted, outraged, horrified. <laughs> cringe. Very cringe. Uh, Matthew Duffel says, "I hate it when LBC radio hosts make condescending remarks to the callers." Then mute them to make what they seem like a monologue uh, that makes it look like they just own the caller. Yeah, I was about to read that. But... <laughs> I just wanted to. I'm just going to hand off reading privilege. I wanted to. You, I wanted to hurry things up. Yeah, well, I was thinking because I I remember I called up LBC once. That's why I was pausing. It's, it's... Did you actually? Yeah, I spoke to Jacob Rees Mogg, who had a show for some bloody reason, and um, I hijacked it really because he was asking about does anyone here support the cuck party? No one did. So I just called up and went, yeah, whatever. I'll say I support them. And they're just snuck in a question about Dankula. But they, they, you'll hear it when you notice it. There's actually a button, and you do hear on the radio show a, like a click. Mm. And that's them muting the caller, saying, okay, I'm just going to monologue now, and I've owned you. And so, yeah, you're right. That, that is a real thing, which is um, cringe. But anyway, on that note, let's move to the Red Scare. Yeah, so JJHW says, we, we'll know our disappointment. Now you've infected yeah. me with it. No. We'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. William J. Casey, CIA director. No surprise there. Matt, leftists get their understanding of fascism from spiteful commies who hate their own societies and, and view any continuity with the past as fascism. Yeah, that's true. They don't read primary sources because they're so suggestible that they're terrified of becoming card-carrying fascists themselves. Yeah. Like, like with James O'Brien and all these people, they are just NPCs 
they're just waiting for the new programming. So they don't want to integrate, uh, like, um, read any of this stuff because they're worried that, oh my God, if I read it, they might, might, might make reasonable arguments that I might agree with. No, I can't have that. Well, you do see those sometimes when, um, I'm trying to remember the, the specific example, but I think it was either the BBC or um, the police service who were, who were being interviewed after investigating far-right terrorism. And they were hanging out with, I think, it, I can't remember the exact organization, but they're, they're just like, yeah, we don't want more immigrants in Britain. Now hang out with these guys, and then they ended up charging one of them for sending a text message. And the guy being interviewed, who was the mole, was just like, yeah, they were really convincing. That's their, that's their trick. That's the worst part. It's all their arguments are correct. Sincerely, like that was his complaint. It was like these these far right guys, man. They're they're really um they're they're really good at recruiting and you know tricking people into believing them because they're they're really convincing. They have all of these graphs, and when you look at the sources, it's actually from government figures. Can you believe it? Disgusting. Yeah. Like it's comical how often that happens. Yeah. Bleach Seaman, the waves of red terror have been glossed over in a horrendous manner. The other more insidious aspect is that the Reds have been entrenching themselves into systems and taking them over like cancer. Yes, and for a much longer time than you would expect. Matt P, the Red Scare wasn't a scare, it was just an unsuccessful attempt to root out communist infiltrators in the US government. Yeah, sadly unsuccessful. Paul Newbar, I'm amazed that you can correctly identify the Red Scare as justified and yet be so accepting of the present invasion of Europe by the Russian Empire. When have I ever said anything of the sort? Bleach Demon. I didn't quite understand that one. Uh, I think he's accusing us of being pro-Russia in the Ukraine-Russia thing. I'm sorry, I'm not following. Um, I don't know either. I don't believe I've ever said anything like that. I don't know about any of you guys, but... Bleach Demon. Good to, I know that Carl's argued with Sitch and Adam about it, but beyond that, I don't remember making any comments. Feel free to correct me and remind me if I have. Bleach Demon. Good to see that more are talking about the truth of the Red Scare, the package bombings ah. by the Galenists and the wobblies that lead up to the 1919 attacks. Yep. Someone online, when arguing with these ignorant people, most people were taught in school that the Red Scare was a witch hunt that did nothing but attack random oppressed groups for no reason. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the reasons I remember being taught in my English class, I think it was, The Crucible. The Arthur, uh, he was married to um, oh, Marilyn Monroe for a little bit. Arthur something or other, I forget his name play where it's all about the witch hunts in the Salem in the 1600s and New England and how this was directly analogous to the McCarthyist witch hunts of the 1950s. And Razor Fist, when he's spoken about this, has a really good line on it, which is that, yeah, well, thing is, witches aren't real. Communists are. And they were in the government. So this is a complete non sequitur to go like, oh, you're trying to root me out because I might be a communist? Well, you're just like the witch hunters of the night of the 1600s. No, it doesn't follow whatsoever. Sophie Live, a violent communist? That's ridiculous, Harry. It's called fiery, but mostly peaceful. I forgot to make my affirmation, sorry. Charles Burgess, not to mention the coal ward in 1920s Appalachia. Granted, the coal companies were violent themselves, but pushes for violence against the miners was driven by socialists and the union movement, which resulted in a full-pitched battle involving aircraft and machine guns, the National Guard and Army Air Corps, also had to be called in to put it down. That's very interesting. I'm going to go back to the criticism, because I quite like criticism. Oh yeah, go on. So um, I, I think I've fully understood it now. So, so Paul said, um, how can you correctly identify the Red Square and, and not understand the threat posed by the Russian Federation uh, in the modern world being similar? Um, I sincerely just don't think it is, because the, the Red Scare is, well, the communists are going to overrun the Russian Federation. Well, the Russian Empire, essentially, and then they have explicitly said and have the means to then expand that revolution to Europe, 
Asia, and then America. Whereas the Russian Federation, I just find it's the, the, the fear of them I find kind of silly because at the same time as we're being told that they're going to invade all of Europe, like they can't take out the Ukrainian army. So the idea that they're going to harm NATO, even militarily, is, is just kind of not something I'm scared of. It's, so that's why. Also, if there were more parallels between the two of them, then you would have to believe the Russian interference in the election conspiracy theory because Russia and the Soviets did have units, uh, well, uh, did have um, insiders in lots of different Western governments subverting it. For instance, Harry, well, Dex Harry Dexter White, who was one of the people who um, helped uh, in the FDR administration, later on turned out to be a Soviet spy who'd been funneling information. We had, the, was it the Cambridge well, Five? We did that book club on active measures, and the Soviets are absolutely right. We're very effective at getting either agents or active measures into the Western world, whereas the Russian Federation has been like comically bad at that. Yeah. The examples given in the book, for example, were you mentioned the Russian election interference story. And when the, the guy, Thomas Ridd, who did the investigation on that for the book, laid it out, it was the, there were a bunch of guys who worked in an office in St. Petersburg called the Internet Research Agency, and they just posted crap memes. And the viewership of these crap memes were pathetically low, even though they were paid for by the Russian guys doing it, until the New York Times found it and then heard, made all the memes on the front page story, just like, look at this, look at them interfering. And it's like, nobody saw these. This had no influence. They spent loads of money to get nothing. And then the New York Times is just like, look, this is how Trump won. And I don't think they're the same threat. That yeah, the, the, the two don't overlap as far as I'm concerned either. I appreciate the comment. Last one for mine, Theodore Brewer. For America, John Brown murder of a slave-owning family children included revolutionary violence has been common for revolutionary agitators. That's true. And John Brown was also not just murdering a slave-owning family. As you mentioned, it's the children included. And I don't know if you want to be able to say that the children, because they were related to slave owners, deserved it too. But John Brown didn't care. Glad that man died. Okay. Matt P. Stelios has a polyamorous relationship with other hosts. Did Callum agree to this arrangement? No, I've been betrayed. Don't feel jealous, Callum. Yeah. Damn. Uh, Omar, <laughs> Omar Awad. What are you insecure, Callum? <laughs> Omar Awad. Polyamory is somewhat similar to the random pleb who wins millions on the lottery, blows everything in two years, and ends up at back at square one, but with less friendships and family bonds than they started with. I think that's a really insightful comment, and it reminds me of some um, relationships of some friends of mine had in the past, where, you know, the guy was ha hanging out with a really, a last that I didn't think was good enough for him. And... <laughs> At some point, at some point, she she asked him if she would be if he would be interested in having an, a third person in a female person. And I said that's 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 bad. It's a matter of time. If you say yes, it's a matter of time. She's gonna ask uh, for a third man to join the thing. And you know, anyway, I was right. Someone online. It's almost as if cheating destroys relationships. Have you got a study? Have you got a study proving that? <laughs> Has it been peer-reviewed? By who? What's the methodology? Yeah, Captain Charlie the Beagle. Regarding Destiny's marriage, I think there <laughs> needs to be a list of marriages that were publicly open but have since broken up, just so we can show the proof it, nev it never worked. George Hap. No woman is worth trampling your dignity and watching her sleep around. The mo moment she'd suggest that is the moment you leave her. Open relationships basically mean that the woman can cheat without judgment. 
a cynical implementation of alpha f's beta bucks yeah i think that's that's close to what i sort of said about the friend i had in the past yeah all right well on that note we're out of time so if you'd uh, like more uh go and check it out if, if you don't don't uh bye-bye <laughs>